We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, we are back. It is for round two, Ryan. This is Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll. We are back for another recruiting show. And tonight, we are going to be talking about the pending decision by 2023 offensive lineman Sam Pendleton. Sam is a Ryan is an offensive lineman from the state of North Carolina. We talked a little bit about him today in our show. Uh, he is going to be making a decision tonight at around 6.30. Uh, the, he, he announced it was going to be on his Instagram feed. His Instagram feed is currently live, but he also said that uh, or his coach was making an announcement to the crowd saying it was going to be on CBS Sports. And so uh, we are going to try and see if we can do the CBS Sports version because that at least allows us to see hear the questions where if we just did the Instagram, it would only be him talking. And so it uh, lacks some context. So we are going to, assuming that is actually kind of how it all plays out, we're going to try to go with the CBS Sports. So I'm kind of looking at both here and uh, kind of discussing both, and we will see kind of how this plays out. But he is at the podium at his high school, just kind of relaxing. He's got his mom and dad with him. Uh, pretty good crowd there, Ryan. So let's let's really dive in first and just talk about this young man, right? This is a kid that uh, Notre Dame is looking to get on the board. It's Notre Dame, Florida, Michigan, and NC State. Clemson, we thought, was going to be a much bigger player in this. We're not sure what happened there, but just kind of talk about, uh, you know, you talked to him about your four schools. Just talk to us about the four schools and, you know, where we think things stand as of right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Notre Dame is obviously in a very good position going into this decision. And I, I think that it really obviously escalated quickly because he w- didn't get his offer officially until the middle of March. And he made his... It was like the 16th, right? Yeah, yeah. it was like the, yeah, the yeah. 16th of March, right in the middle of the month. And he quickly made it to campus. Only a couple weeks later, the the relationship between him and Harry Heaston, I think, is a big plus in this conversation right now. I think that the... The the consistency across the board from his decision making was he talked a lot about position coaches in that little exclusive, right? Like mm-hmm. he talked about University of Michigan, obviously, with 
I mean, they're coming off of a season where they had the Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line, so that's yeah, obviously Sean a big Moore plus. did a great job with that unit last year, no doubt. Absolutely, yeah. And so, I mean, so he mentioned Coach Moore, mentioned obviously Coach Heastan and, and the rest of the coaches at Notre Dame. And I, I think NC State is a team that is more of a proximity to home type of conversation. Obviously, I think Notre Dame and Michigan are more the fact that, like, hey, they've obviously developed offensive lines over the years, and Michigan's coming off of a great season as well in, in that type of conversation. The the funny the one that I can't really get much of a pulse on, Brian, I don't know if you've gotten a pulse on it throughout this, is Florida. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. know where the University of Florida came into this conversation, but either way, it has happened very quickly. Sam is a yeah. kid that has told me in the past he doesn't do any of the camp stuff. He doesn't do the Under Armour stuff. He doesn't do any of that. So he didn't get his first offer until like October of his right. ju- of his junior season. So that's pretty late comparative to where a lot of kids get their offers. So it's been a fast process. Yep. Go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say it's been a fast process. He had a top school list even before Notre Dame came into the picture, and that quickly changed. And he told yeah. us in the past that Notre Dame was a team that he always wanted to hear from, a program he always wanted to hear from. So feel good about where Notre Dame is. Obviously, we're going to find that decision in a couple minutes, but definitely right. like their position. Well, it's interesting, too, because how this whole thing played out is really intriguing because when he stand showed up and we've talked a little bit about this in the past. But, you know, for those who, ha- who haven't been on the show before, you know, he, he was a kid that when Notre- when he stand got here in January, I mean, the process took a little bit. There were some things that kind of took his hiring a little bit longer than normal. But once it got done, it was like, OK, here's the board. Here's who we've offered. Here's who we're already recruiting. It's it's Okalola, it's Jagusa, it's Freeling, it's Absher, it's Austin Saraville, it's those guys. And he went on the road and he saw those players. That was a smart decision because you know who's on the board. Go after those guys. Once they got off the road, that's when in, over the next month or so, that's when Coach Eastan really started diving into the film of, okay, but who else is out there? Is there anybody else I like maybe that that the previous staff didn't like or whatever the case may be? And this is Sam Pendleton is one of those guys. And as, as you said, once the offer came, like that began, I mean, well, really it began leading up to the offer, but it really took off when the offer came in regards to Notre Dame really took off and and became a big time player for him. And that commitment, that relationship happened quickly, but it's not a thing where like they missed anybody. It's just, it was the process of here's who's on the board. Let me go find out if there's somebody else that needs to be on it. Coach Eastan clearly felt the Sam Pendleton needed to be on it and went after him and, and made a hard push. So I really like that, you know, that that angle to it because when Harry Heastan sets his sights on a guy, you, you know, okay, yeah, this th- th- this is this guy's they're going to be tough to beat. This is a guy that they really want, and obviously Sam Pendleton was a guy that Coach Heastan set his sights on. And as you said, the whole thing—I mean, we're barely a month and a week past the moment he got offered. You know, I mean, it uh, it, it happened pretty quickly. Oh yeah, for sure. It happens extremely quickly. And I, I know you mentioned coach. He's only all, I think since he came, he's only offered three total 2023 kids to add to the board. Cause you have Elijah page, obviously mm-hmm. um, the, the Harris kid from IMG Academy. Right. And then Pendleton. Right. Uh, so did Harris get offered by he or was he a guy that had already been offered? Maybe my time's and a little I off on that was, one. No, no. What happened was, is they started talking to him. He started talking to him, but I don't know if he was a guy that they necessarily targeted. But to gotcha. your point, though, Ryan, even if let's just assume that they did, because we're not quite sure of the timing, but let's assume that they did. The reality is they haven't made Harris a priority. He's a if right. we miss out on so and so, we have him on the radar. That's sure. not how they've treated Sam Pendleton. Absolutely treated not. Sam Pendleton, like this is a guy that we want 
and that we're going after. That was their their mentality. I think there's something else too, Ryan, which makes this one important is, you know, this is a kid that isn't, isn't you're not fighting regional schools for him, to your point. No. I mean, Clemson's not in it. I, I don't know if that's partly them, partly him. I would imagine it's a little bit of both. Uh, sometimes schools will bow out when they know they're not going to get a kid because it's all of a sudden Clemson was the leader. And then all of a sudden coming out of the Notre Dame visit, Notre, Clemson's all of a sudden like, Oh, we're not involved anymore. Uh, right. we'll, we'll see if, if maybe that was part of it or not. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, this is a situation where Notre Dame is going against some really some national programs in this regard. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, you're talking about the the, the Joe Moore Award winners are going after him. You know, mm-hmm. Florida's a, a program that's really hot on the recruiting chair right now. They're doing a really nice job of kind of coming up the East Coast, trying to get some linemen. They, they had Monroe Freeling on campus. And then you look at Miami offered him, Penn State offered him. It's got an impressive offer list. And, and I think the offer list is a lot more impressive than the recruiting rankings, which ties back to the original comment you made. He's a three-star kid by two services, 247 and on three. He is a top 250 guy from rivals, so kudos to them. And then ESPN hasn't even ranked them yet. And a lot of that has to do with what you talked about. He's not a camp circuit kid. He's here's my film. Either like you know, why does an offensive lineman need to go to a camp with no pads on, right? right? Unless all he cares about is the recruiting rankings, right? Well, and well these, Sam doesn't. These rankings across the board for some of these offensive linemen have been bizarre, man. I mean, yeah. Elijah Page is a low guy on on most of the rankings. Sullivan Absher at one point was like a three star yeah. by a couple different of the platforms. So it's well, been, one it's doesn't a even bit have him in the top two fifty, but on three's got him in the top one hundred. And we've talked about this in some of our film breakdowns, which we're going to get back to next week. The rankings this year are just weird, and I don't know if it's because some services are just trying to get more into the whole let's do this for click value, st- you know surfaces or you know purposes or what but you know it's um it's it's been strange it, the whole process has been strange so we'll we'll hear them interview sam then they'll probably go to a commercial again and then come back and have him make his announcement you all know how they do it but they're just kind of talking about his game so let's see if they're getting ready to pull him up yet there we go himself sam pendleton joining us on hq to make it all right can everybody hear it sam first and foremost congratulations on all the hard work it's taken to get to this very moment before we put it on tape, give us an idea of what recruitment has been like for you. Yeah, I would say recruitment has been, you know, it's been great throughout the whole process, but sometimes it's been stressful. You know, um, sometimes you don't always see the stressful part of recruitment, but at the mo- all, all, most of the time, it's really great. 
I am sure you have experienced the full range of emotions, and we won't make you wait any longer. The wait finally over. The floor is yours. Big man, let the folks know you'll be playing your college ball. Yes, sir. I would like to say a few things before I make my commitment. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank all of y'all for coming out tonight. Um, it means a lot to me and my family that y'all made the trip. Um, I would like to thank, first and foremost, uh, my Lord and Jesus, Savior Christ. Uh, thank you. I'm just so thankful that he's brought me here and gave me the privilege to play football and pursue my dreams to play college football. And um, I would also like to thank my parents for um, pouring into my dream with love and passion. Uh, I'd also like to thank all my high school coaches, especially Coach McGee, Coach Harbor, Coach Vogel, Coach Brenniger, along with my trainers, Corey Reich and Mike Turner. Uh, all these men have had such an influence on my life throughout the high school experience and have really just taken me in like one of their own, and I'll never thank them enough. Finally, I would like to thank all the coaches that have recruited me, especially the universities that have spent their time and effort to allow me to see what I need to see at their university. From academic advisors to chaplains, I can't thank those universities enough. And I also want to give a thank, special thanks to Coach Legg and the rest of the staff up at Marshall. They took a chance on me before anyone else did, and I'll always have a special place in my heart for the herd. So with that being said, I will spend the next four to five years pursuing my degree in playing football. At the University of there it is. Sam Pendleton is a now a member of All the right, Notre Dame the 2023 recruiting it's class. We Let's hear more from Sam, Sam Pendleton and his decision. Congratulations. I, you know, much was made about the transition at the top of that program over the last 12 months. What about Coach Freeman's recruiting pitch made South Bend feel like the place for you, Sam? Uh, Coach Eastek coming back is a really, really big uh, attraction to recruits such as myself. Uh, he does such a great job developing guys, not just as men, but as athletes as well. And um, I'm just really excited to continue my process there. Well, I got to tell you that Kelly Green looks good on the cap. Uh, can you pinpoint the moment you said to yourself, it's the Irish? Yeah, um, I kind of knew it was the Irish, you know, about three or four days after I got back from the visit. You know, it's just one of those gut things like everyone else says, you know, when you know, you know. And, um, you know, just that feeling along with a lot of other things, such as academics, you know, you know, don't get much better than Notre Dame and just the football itself, you know, that's a, that's a global school. So that's how I'm in. Well, the icing on top is that it's an O-line factory. The Nelsons, the McGlinchies, the Bars, the Martins. Uh, how big of a factor was that segment room in your decision? Yeah, um, especially those guys that come before me, that's really a really big thing that drove me there. Um, obviously, Coach Coach Heastan has really proved himself with those guys and I just feel like he has so much more to offer of a young recruit like myself. Well, from here on out, it's all about what you do with the opportunity. And you right now have the opportunity to speak to your future fan base. Let the Irish faithful know what sort of ball players come into town. Yes, sir. Um, I would just say that just to expect physicality and hard work coming from me. All right. Well, congratulations from all of us here at CBS. Go enjoy the moment, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you. I got to say, Ryan, I was very – that was probably my favorite commitment from the standpoint of uh, it was short and sweet. Mm -hmm. We didn't have to go through three commercials because he's an offensive lineman, right? Yep. I mean, if that's a Harry, he's an offensive lineman. Hey, I'm going to make my decision. Here we go. We're going to get it over with, and bam, here's the reason why. Uh, didn't play the games, just put the hat on. Like, I loved Braylon James's commitment. There's been so many others that I've really enjoyed, but, like, that was the most – I shouldn't say my favorite – the most fitting, like, okay, yep, that's what a Harry Easton offensive line is supposed to be about. But I want to speak to that, Ryan, because he said it right. I mean, it was so clear right then why it, it's Harry Heastan. It's it's the Harry Heastan effect. And the, the Notre Dame stuff kind of came, oh, yeah, and also it's a great school and all that. But it's like, why are you picking Notre Dame? Uh, Harry Heastan. I mean, that's the reason why. 
Yeah, I mean, it makes so much sense, right? If you want to be the best, why not go to a guy that has built a reputation as developing the best? I mean, they right. they mentioned a few of the names in that little lead up. You know, the Mike McGlinchies of the world, the Quentin Nelsons, the Ronnie Stanleys. I mean, the list is very easy to kind of pinpoint a lot of great players that have played there. So Sam Pendleton is hopefully the next in line. You know, he's he's a really talented football player. Obviously, a guy that's been on the trail, you know, pretty not very long at all, but the offer list speaks to itself with a guy like Sam. And I mean, obviously you can hear it. And I've, I've been able to speak to Sam and his mother in the past April. And I will say they're a very religious and just very nice family. You know, Mm -hmm. like they fit in so many different capacities. They're like, you can kind of just tell by, by listening to him a little bit. He's very non-assuming. He's very straight to the point. He's very business, but then he's also, you could just see that kind of the joy, like when he was thanking people, I, I felt that he was very, very, you know, sincere, even through in Marshall there, right? Like his first mm-hmm. offer. Like, that's awesome, man, Yeah, to be able to kind of come full circle there. So very happy for Sam and his family. They're really great people outside of what he can do on the football field. Yeah, and, and like you said, you know, he kind of – so he committed to Notre Dame. I don't remember. I forget which day it was, but it was several days ago. This is not a surprise that he made this decision tonight. And really, it came up. I mean, like he he said it accurately. Sometimes kids will say, "Oh, you know, I did this," and but we know this real story was actually that we we knew he loved Notre Dame. And the visit was impactful, but we also knew that he 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 had the Florida visit coming up, and then he wanted to try to take a step back. And that's what I really liked about it. And when he did make his decision, you felt good about it, Ryan, because it was one where he didn't make it emotionally during the weekend. Although there was some thought that he might like that's how vil- how well the visit went is that boy he he may he may be doing this here real soon but he wanted to take a step back and make sure that he thought it through and and again just a great fit for what Notre Dame looks for when it comes to recruiting offensive linemen. Yeah and after the visit I remember speaking to his mother and his mother kind of made a comment like you know Sam isn't 100% sure when he's going to make the decision for what college he wants to go to but he's just going to pray and he's going to let it kind of work itself out and you heard him talk about that right like he knew when he knew, and it's a hard thing to quantify, but when you know you're you're making the right decision, you just it just kind of clicks. It's not it's not something that's as quantifiable as something. So again, very happy for him, very happy for his family. I know that they were just genuinely enjoying that moment. And I mean, like you said, the, there's a couple precursors I think that Notre Dame fans that are in here are pretty smart about, right? Like when Clemson wasn't in his top four, I'm like. Hmm, you know, because yeah. we've been kind of talking okay. about the Clemson Notre Dame battle a little bit, and the fact that his last visit before he had made his announcement was with Notre Dame, like those those things kind of align to you know things are heading in the right direction. Obviously, I I, I got to bring up something else, Ryan, and and we we have to talk about this because it's it's the petty side of me to be completely honest with you. Obviously, this is a great pickup. We're going to dive into the film here real quickly, but there, there's a there's a petty side of me that I think needs to be addressed, and and that is the fact that this is a kid that Michigan felt they were in a really good position with for a long time. Sam visited Michigan in October, and actually, was it in October, November? He visited Michigan in November, I believe, for the Ohio State game. He visited in early March several days before Notre Dame offered him visited campus twice before Notre Dame offered the kid a scholarship. They just won the Joe Moore award. They just went to the college football playoff. And as soon as Notre Dame got involved, it was like, uh Oh, <laughs> and I just think it speaks volumes to number one. 
Harry Heastand. But number two, as we said earlier, it's not just Harry Heastand. It's Chad Bowden. It's Tommy Reese. It's Marcus Freeman. It's the whole operation. And Harry Heastand was bringing in studs the last time just basically by himself. Now it's like it's not just him. It's going to make them very hard to beat on the recruiting trail at a position like this. And and we're we're seeing it over and over again. And there the 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 utter dominance over Michigan in this recruiting class is really surprising. I mean, I it, it is and it isn't. It just speaks to how dumb the way that Jim Harbaugh handled the offseason was, but also just the, the momentum that Marcus Freeman and his staff have built and the type of staff that Marcus Freeman put together. That's arguably the most important job requirement for a successful coach is to have a great staff. And so far, I mean, coaching wise and recruiting wise, Ryan, he's, I mean, we, one of the questions we had, we didn't get to in the earlier show was, is there anybody that, you know, maybe isn't, doing as good of a job as you thought and there's been great recruiters on the staff for years but it was always like three or you know one great one two or three really good ones and then there's nobody on the staff right now that i can look at and say yeah that they're not doing a great job i mean we could look at corner with mike mickens but it's like yeah but they're coming off the best two-year stretch that they've had in a long time right like they chose to to move on from a, a kid in this class and there's all types of different things and you're like and i i Boy, they're just they're recruiting at least really well everywhere. Now it's our, you know, are you recruiting at an elite level everywhere? Not yet. But they're getting there. But just the utter dominance over Michigan, a year in which they're coming off a playoff berth, is and 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 won the Joe Moore Award is it's surprising to me how how dominant it's been, to be completely honest with you. No, I mean, Notre Dame's obviously had some sporadic victories throughout throughout the stretch just in general in, in Michigan, but I agree with you. It's the fact that no, Michigan has momentum, you know? They, I mean, in theory, they have momentum on the field. They just are coming off a playoff berth. They just had the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, so in theory, you would think that they would be a big contender for Sam Pendleton, which they were. I mean, they, they were in the top four, so like, yeah, they, they, they did a solid enough job in the recruitment, but... The fact that they were able to beat this team that's coming off of that success is, I think it speaks paramount to not only the caliber of recruiting that Notre Dame is doing, but also the fact that Jim Harbaugh has not done that program any favors with kind of that offseason flirting with the NFL. Like that did not do anybody any favors. Like, let's just be honest about that. So great win for Notre Dame. Great win to always beat Michigan. I mean, at the end of the day, that's two big wins today on top of grabbing a very talented offensive lineman, to say the least. Two victories over Michigan in a three-day period. It's not a bad, not a bad period. It's a good point. At all, Ryan. It's not a good a point. Period. Yeah. They just they just stole another Michigan defensive lineman. I forgot about that. Yep. 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 So up, yeah. let's talk. Let's dive into the film, Ryan. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what we like to do, right? Like that's our bread and butter. So let's dive into some film and share with the people why we think this is such a, a big pickup for Notre Dame. Yep. So we are going to start with some film analysis of Sam Pendleton. He's listed between 6'5", 290, 6'4", 305. He plays tackle in high school. Notre Dame is recruiting him to be an interior player. So we'll let a few of these go through. I know people are like, can you just let him run through first? We'll try, but you have to understand, y'all, I'm a coach. We don't let plays just go through. We rewind. 
we're seeing something here that we saw from the kids that the tackles we broke down the other day, which is a nastiness, right? A physicality. He doesn't look 6'5", 305 to me, 6'4", 305 to me on film. No. This is also from last fall. He looks like he's filled out some. He looks like he's a pretty big kid in the upper body. So we'll just have to see, see him up close and personal. But you can see on here, Ryan, he's definitely an interior player. He, he's definitely an inside inside guy. There's yeah, no, he's 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 a he's a vertical player, right? Like he wants you want him to fire out of his stance to get up to the first and second level. Like that's this type of dude. The one thing I love, Brian, though, and you saw it especially on that pass block early rep. Dude has some powerful punch, man. When mm-hmm. he gets when he lands it, he moves people. Like even on this one on the second level, you see just that subtle pop in those hands. That kid gets stalled and mm-hmm. his feet stop. Yeah. The thing I like too, Ryan, and this is one of those plays where I feel like this kind of shows why I like him at guard. Like you're just not going to reach an edge in college that way, but you can get to a three technique. But the thing you see from him here, the see the thing you see from him in a lot of other plays is exactly what we've talked about with these other linemen that Notre Dame really likes. He drives his feet through contact. There's no stopping at the point of contact for him. And that's, it, it can be taught, but if you have it already, it's much better for uh, any offensive line coach. Yeah. And I, I love, I love the effort he blocks with, and that kind of goes to your point about, you know, f- footwork uh, foot. Uh, sorry for running your feet on contact and finishing plays. Like you can see that he has definitely a little bit of a nasty demeanor to him, but more than anything, I, I think pretty technically sound for his age, I would say. Yeah, I think so. I think at times I'd like to see him maybe uh, when he's working for width, he, he lifts, he'll lift a little bit, but for the most part, I think he plays with a good base, plays with a good pad level, uh, comes off the line with physicality. This is a nice pass set here. Again, especially if you're talking about a guy that's going to be a guard, you know, you see, you see the base here, Ryan, he keeps his, he keeps his butt low out of his stance, right? Nice base. He's on, he's on the balls of his feet, right? You know, he's, he's not flat footed. He's not leaning back. He's not too forward. You see the length there, though, right? That's the thing I did notice about him. He seems to have pretty good length for an in. My, my projection of him being inside has zero to do with him not being long enough. That is the one thing I will say about him, Ryan. I'm not sure if you agree with that or not. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't think it's a length issue as much as I, I just – the foot quickness is good. I don't think it's mm-hmm. great. And, I mean, more than anything, like, I just I just think he plays like a guard. And I think his body, right. his body type is more of a guard in my opinion. Like, it just – he's got kind of that right. – He's got kind of that those low hips, a little bit of a wide waist. Like he just looks like a guard to me. Right. And we've talked about that. Sometimes a guy being an interior player is more about can be as much about his disposition as anything else. And that's that's true of Sam. Brings his feet a little bit together too much here at the point of contact. But again, you see him driving through the point of contact. Really nice feet. I, I think he's got good agility. It's just it's more he's not an in-space guy. Right. That's the thing for me. His 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 athleticism projects well inside. Again, you see you see him getting to the second level quickly. At times he'll again, at times he'll get a little bit too narrow, a little bit too high. But man, I really like this kid's punch. He's got one of the best set of hands of any of any lineman in the country, in my opinion, just as far as his raw power. There's some other things that, you know, obviously, you know, get a little quicker and you know, continue to do this, that, and the other thing. But the power in his hands is something that really stands out to me. And I think you see this that here too, Ryan, is his combination of length, hand power, and then, you know, good foot agility, like not elite, but good. 
is mm-hmm. also why I could really see him potentially being a center as well. Like he he fits in at all three interior spots for me. And and yeah, again, I don't know if he can snap. That's a teachable skill, though, right? Snapping mm-hmm. is a teachable skill. And and this is what I like. But look at him driving his feet through contact here. I mean, this is this is really where you want to be, folks. Like, and he's power stepping, right, Ryan? Like he's not just like running, he's power stepping. You see him with his feet out. Like you said, I think it's a good observation, right? He seems like a really well-coached kid. Yeah. Now he's right? got, like, you You can tell the guys that really have the kind of emphasis on technique. You can see how, how he drives that post foot into the ground. He mm-hmm. gets good pa- power, uh, gets good power at the point of attack. You can just see a good base pretty consistently throughout. And I agree with you. I think that he, his biggest strengths for me is I think he's a great zone blocker because I think that mm-hmm. things that he does well, he's got that punch at the point of attack. I think when you're running duo and you know just kind of doing some combos to second level, he's going to get some good movement up front. But then also his foot quickness is is plus cool. inside where he's able to work to the second level. So I think he could play center. I think he has enough length to play left guard. I think he has a disposition to also play right guard on the front mm-hmm. side of runs. Like I, I think he'd know all of the above. I think what you've seen from a couple of these clips too, and I'm going to try to find another one. We just saw it. I may have to go back to the other one, but you can noticeably see him like driving his hips in the run game. Like you can noticeably see it and you don't always see that. Like this isn't a great example because it's kind of far away. I'm going to try to find one, but what you'll see is you'll kind of see when a guy engages, he's driving his hips is you'll see kind of like his, his stomach area kind of go in a little bit right and his back kind of goes out that's that where that hip drive is coming from and you'll see that from from sam in these clips ryan and i I guarantee that because i agree i I think there's a lot of a lot of strength through the lower body and the hips Mm -hmm. there's a lot of hip snap i would guarantee that this kid is a good power cleaner probably a good squatter probably Mm -hmm. just probably a good weight room kid in general you can just see that there's lower body power there when you saw the picture that we have on the front page too, like he's got pretty big arms for a high school junior. He's not like a big, that's the thing that I was surprised by. Cause he does like on this film, you can't really tell what kind of body he has. And then when you see the pic, the, the photos of him from the Notre Dame visitor, like he's just a big kid. Like he's, he's not like fat, fat, you know what I mean? He's like, like, he's like a farm boy, man. Yeah. Like that's just that's what he got. Good, yeah. He's a country boy. That's a good, yep. that's a good way of putting it. Like he's just a big kid. Yep. So a lot, lot to like about this young man. And again, we're watching him play tackle. I think his game's going to go to an even greater level when he moves inside. I just think that's where his game is, is ideally suited. I like and, and this. I, this is I, good I, right here. Yeah. I, I think one thing that you said, Brian, like I think at worst, even if he never hits his ceiling, this is a kid that can back up three different positions yeah, inside. Right. Like this, this is a depth piece at worst, in my opinion. This play I like right here because this is this so shows that fundamental you know sound play. He's got to help secure his outside gap, so he does that with his outside arm, but he stays square and he's got his eyes inside to protect the B gap. He sees that guy go outside. He steps down, takes on a pretty good sized kid here, and just opens up a gaping hole. It's a really really good football play right there. Yeah, and some people are making a uh, observation that number seventy four on their team's a big kid too. I think I might yeah. need to look him up. <laughs> he's not the only. I mean, he's not the only good offensive. I mean, he's their best offensive lineman by far. But they've got a couple kids. You're like, okay, that kid's not bad. Okay, that kid's yeah. not bad. They got some size up front. They're a well coached football. They're a well well coached group of kids. But I do think his technique, from what I can tell, and I don't know the age groups of those other kids, that might factor into it as well. Is is the most sound of all of mm. them? I agree. Somebody said uh, Spencer Webb, 6'5", 315 pounds. 
Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So gotcha. I don't know if that's who that is, but that's what uh, Greekanese two hundred six just put into the chat. Greekanese like He's it. A, that's a big boy. A big I like boy. this recovery right here because this isn't like necessarily a great clip. Like he kind of gets off balance a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. But he f- recovers, keeps his base, gets his butt back down, and you know gets back in position where he's ready to get back in the fight. Well, and that, that's when we did our offensive tackle kind of film breakdown, Brian. That's the type of play I was talking about when I'm talking about the flexibility, right? Like there's going to be plays where guys are going to kind of get knocked off off their off their track a little bit. Their, their body's going to get kind of contorted in different ways. The ability to get your body back in position is a really underrated kind of element of playing offensive line. And although I, I, usually, I usually kind of parlay that with playing offensive tackle more than guard, it's still really nice to see that he has some type of flexibility to kind of get out of trouble at times. Yeah. So that's Sam Pendleton's film folks. So that is, uh, that is Notre Dame's latest commitment. Obviously Sam joining the class means Notre Dame is back to number one in the two, four, seven composite rankings. They're still number two in rivals because Texas A&M now has 19 commitments in their class, which is, it's a really good class for Texas A&M, but like their average star ranking is like in the mid threes, I think. Texas Texas Tech, you mean? Texas Tech, yeah. yeah. Uh, Huge, huge class for Texas Tech. They're they're putting together a nice class for them. We'll see if they can hang on to them, but it's it's mostly three star kids, but it's, it's a good class. So Notre Dame has the best class in the country right now, and this gives them commitment number 10. Yep. He is now the fourth offensive lineman to commit or fourth offensive player to commit to Notre Dame, joining running back Cedric Irvin, tight end Cooper Flanagan, wide receiver Braylon James, right? So fourth public commitment on the offensive side of the ball. And as we said, numero uno along the offensive line. So let's talk about the need fit here, Ryan. I think this kid fits a need in three areas. Number one, obviously Notre Dame wants to get four offensive linemen in this class. This is step one to that. Number two, I think Notre Dame clearly wanted to add more physicality to the offensive line. Check, right? And then number three, I think that they wanted at least one guy that was going to be a pure interior player that could, as you said, can play those spots. Because that's the thing is they've signed a lot of interior guys the last couple of years. So this is more of a tackle class that they're looking for. But there is at least one guy that you want to say, hey, look, we like him inside. He brings the agility, the the power and all this. And I and I think he's that guy. Like if they don't, if they miss on Austin Saraveld, who's another guy that, that Notre Dame likes and wants in this class, another interior guy, they're okay because they don't have a need for numbers from an interior player standpoint. Now that this is it, this is one, because they're going to recruit tackles. Sullivan Absher, Charles Jagusa, guys like that, Ty Chan in last year's class, that could potentially move inside as well. So they, you know, Harry Heastan doesn't like to recruit nearly as many pure interior guys as Jeff Quinn seemed to like to recruit. And so I think that's a that's a, a big thing too. But you've now met your need there as well. And as we talked about in the show earlier today, being able to get into this into the you know that that Carolinas region for an offensive lineman, sort of that you know, we can call it mid-Atlantic ACC region, whatever the case may be. They haven't gotten an offensive lineman from that area since 2014 with Sam Mustafer. And they haven't got a kid from an offensive lineman from North Carolina since 2012 with Mark Harrell. So getting back into that state is another positive that comes from the commitment of Sam Pendleton. Yeah. And I mean, there's going to be several Carolina battles this, this, uh, this season for, 
mm-hmm. um, offensive line specifically, right? We talk about Monroe Freeling. We talk about Sullivan Absher. Absher, Absher, of course, out of North Carolina like Pendleton is. And it's very nice, I mean, to say the least, man, because like you said, that's a, a region that is starting to more and more produce offensive linemen, especially in this cycle. So this is kind of like the Massachusetts of, of, the, uh, of, the, of the South a little bit, right? Like we say, Notre Dame has made a, a big impact in the state of Massachusetts and it could continue to grow. Carolinas are the same from the offensive line, um, offensive lineman perspective. So it's a right. good start to it for sure. So let's talk about what's next, the offensive line, before we drive, dive into questions. Obviously, not only is this not the last commitment that Notre Dame wants to land on the offensive line, they're hoping that this isn't the last commitment from the state of North Carolina on the offensive line. So let's first talk about sort of, it's sort of, we'll call it the big three that's left on the board when it comes to tackles. I think that's where we can start, and then we'll talk about Austin Cerevel next. Obviously, this past weekend, Ryan, and you know we'll talk about this for those who weren't on the show earlier today, Two of the big three, and we're talking about Sullivan Absher, Monroe Freeling, Charles Jagusa, which in no particular order. Okay, so we're just kind of in order of when we think guys will make decisions is probably where that came from. And they had two of those three guys on campus this weekend, obviously Sullivan Absher and and Monroe Freeling. So just a quick update for for some of the people that maybe maybe weren't on the on the, uh, the the show earlier today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so like Brian said, Sullivan Absher out of North Carolina, Monroe Freeling out of South Carolina spent their second visit actually to Notre Dame. They were there for the January 29th junior day originally. And when I talked to Monroe, he basically said that him and Sullivan were hanging out the whole time. And we went into the, we went into the visit. I didn't feel great about where Sullivan Absher was as far as in, on Notre Dame uh, in regards to Notre Dame. I felt better about where Monroe, Monroe Freeling was. We leave the visit both feeling very good about the situation for Notre Dame. I would say that they're the leader for both players involved right now. Now, obviously, they need to, to close on those guys. But, I mean, when we were talking about the offensive tackle class for this for this year – Monroe Freeling for me is a top 50 player in this class. And I think that he has incredible traits to play left tackle. Now, Sullivan Absher, on the other hand, really physical player, great pad level. I think he could play either a tackle or even be a really good guard inside. So he gives you some flexibility, especially if you get a guy like Charles Jagusa, who also has a similar profile where could play tackle, could be dominant inside. You let two of those players in case you get both of them. I think then you got to have some flexibility to where guys fit. But as far as the this past weekend, they really knocked it out of the park with both Freeling and and um, Absher. I feel like they are in great spot with all of the Carolina guys. Obviously, now with this commitment with Pendleton. So here's a question I'm going to ask you, Ryan, that we didn't really address specifically earlier in the show we did this afternoon. When we're coming to recruiting, and and if you if you're not comfortable answering it, that's fine. You don't have to. If you had to go right now. What would you say is your order of confidence in Notre Dame landing that group of three? And then we'll talk about Austin Saraveld next. J- uh, Jagusa in, in, included with the two that we just visited? Yeah, the, th- the, the big three of the yeah. big three that we talked about. So Sullivan Absher, Charles yes. Jagusa, and Monroe Freeling. So not not timing of the of it, not not yeah. what your what your thoughts are and who's gonna do it first, but just or you don't have to give a certain degree either, but what is your level of confidence, most confident next and then least confident in that group? Yeah, I would say number one for me, and I, I think this is going to be a little bit of a, 
a little bit of a, a controversial take for a second. I, th- I think it's Monroe Freeling for me. And I know that that's probably not the same for you, but I have just felt so much better about where Notre Dame's been with Monroe Freeling recently over the last couple months. And I think that it, leaving the visit, I feel about as good as I ever have with where they sit with him. Number two, I would ask you a Sullivan Absher now, which is a really weird one for me because I was not feeling great about it going into the visit. But leaving that visit, I think that they were in a great spot and then I would say I feel still good about Jagusa, but the, the thing about him is he's leaving himself open, kind of seeming to extend his decision-making to when he's going to make the announcement. I still think Notre Dame's probably in the lead for him, but if he is delaying it a little bit longer, then you're giving other schools an opportunity to maybe get back into the conversation and back into the fray. So I think that would be for me. Yeah, I would say Freeling, Absher, then Jagusa in that order. It's, it's interesting you say that, Ryan, because that's kind of where my list comes from, is the guy that I'm right now most confident in is Sullivan Absher, based on all the intel we're getting. That's my number one. And the reason I say that is, is because he's the only one on this list that we know for a fact, as of today, doesn't have any visits planned to other schools, as far as I know. I don't believe he's got a bunch of officials set up. I believe he's pretty much in decision-making mode. And based on where Notre Dame stands, they're good. Jagusa and you know, Freeling are guys that are kind of out. And for me, I, I'd go Jagusa number two and Freeling three. I feel good about all of them. The reason I would go that that direction is because I, I, still, I still get a little nervous with a Southern kid if a Bama or a school of Georgia decides to turn up the heat always leaves me a little nervous if he's if he's a ways away if i thought and and i and i again we're not ranking him based off of the timing of it but if i thought he was going to decide in may and i just knew he was going to decide in may I, I i might move freeling up more but because he's as of now he's a summer you know june july type of decision making mode I get a little bit more nervous than I would if a if a those schools were going after Charles Jagusa, who's in Notre Dame's backyard, as opposed to him being in their backyard. But that's that's more of a fear out of facts that aren't there right now. You know, it, it, so based on on where they are, I think we could make a case for all three of those guys being in the top spot. To be honest with you, I mean, yeah, I, I think a strong case could be made that Jagusa's number one on the list. But no, they're in a good place. Could. Yeah, no, I mean, you could definitely make that conversation. I, I think the biggest thing for him, again, is while we don't know, you know, exactly what the visit schedule is going to look like, because, I mean, Charles just seems like a kid that doesn't really care about the recruiting process too much, you know. It seems like he doesn't really, you know, kind of – he's tr- trying to figure out the steps as he goes. But, I mean, just again, man, with, with the – so, for me, I think Ab- um, Sullivan Absher's – timeline is going to end pretty soon here, right? Like I think that he's going to make a decision probably within the next month or so. Monroe Freeling is a guy, Brian, that's told us he's going to wait until his senior year. I have the feeling though that that could get pushed up. I'd be shocked if he's not committed before the the season starts. Right, right. So I I feel like his timeline is going to get, he he has a, the player that I talked to with him, he seems like a kid that might push it up a little bit. Jagusa just doesn't seem to be in any type of hurry. So he just makes me a little nervous to a degree because, again, if the decision were today, I think it's Notre Dame. But the fact of the matter is, the longer you keep the recruiting up and he's the leader, that gives other programs an opportunity, right? right? Like you leave yourself susceptible to potentially getting 
poached, I guess, for lack of a better word. Right. So there's a guy that we'll talk about now uh, real quick before we, we get to that. We do have a super chat here from uh, a couple super chats here real quick from K Grant. K Grant, thank you very much for the super chat, my man. Appreciate you. Spark5219. Also, thank you, sir. Thanks for the bonus coverage. IB, best Notre Dame coverage, hands down. We agree, but we're biased. So it's nice hearing that from you. We appreciate that very, 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 very much as well. So let's get into another offensive lineman that's on the board that Notre Dame definitely wants before we talk about another offensive lineman that everyone always asks about when we talk about offensive linemen and where things stand because you have been trying to contact him. But Austin Serveld is a, is another guy on the board from uh, Lakota from uh, Lakota West or Lakota East. There's two of those. I forget which one he is from. I think it's Lakota East. I think it's East. And so he's another guy that's that's been on campus now three times this winter, basically, and. And he has he was on campus in I believe January, and then he made uh he made two visits in April. He visited the first Saturday of April for a Notre Dame practice, and then he was on campus we believe this past weekend as well for another visit. We 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 think, and uh, we haven't had a chance to get a hold of him yet to confirm that, but he was expected to come. Where do you he he Austin is also a reminder. He recently announced a few weeks ago that he is a final three of Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Alabama. Most believe this is an Ohio State-Notre Dame battle. And depending on whether Ohio State or Notre Dame leads, depend on who you ask and what day you ask it, basically. So what's the latest that you you know of about him? Because he's also the other in pure interior guy. Like, we think Absher and Jagusa are guys that could play tackle. Saravel's the other pure interior player on the board for Notre Dame. So what's the latest with Charles – I mean, with uh, Austin Saravel, in your opinion? Yeah, he he it's a t- he's a tough one to read sometimes, you know. He, I I feel like right now it's a coin flip. Like you said, on one day you can convince me it's Ohio State, on the other day you can convince me it's another game. I definitely think that that is the top 2 though. Like Alabama, I think it's just a throw in because it's Alabama to be honest. Like that is he's an Ohio kid. He likes the Buckeyes. He's been the Buckeyes have been on him for a long time now. Notre Dame likes him though, and they'll take him. There's no doubt about it. So I think that that is a definitely a one to one to Ohio State versus Notre Dame. They have to close in it, but I, I think you feel solidly where Notre Dame is. But it's definitely not a foregone conclusion that they are the leader for Austin Sarabelle right now. So when you obviously there's another two guys on the board, Elijah Page. We won't chat a lot about today because his recruitment is kind of it's it's a down the road one kind of deal. Every time we do something about the offensive line, one of the first questions that gets asked is, what about Samson Lola? So let's address it, and we'll address it again. And there's – Ryan, it's the same as before, correct? <laughs> I, every time I talk to Samson, we talk for a little bit, I ask him, hey, have you, you set up anything with Notre Dame yet? And the answer is very consistent, not yet. Okay. Meanwhile, you know, again, I no fault to the kid. If that, you know, it's his decision ultimately, but – he made a Midwest trip. He went to Michigan. He went to Michigan State. Didn't stop by Notre Dame, right? So, like, he's active on the visits. He's not just stagnant at home, just kind of weighing right, his options like until he the officials. Engaged the recruiting process at all? I mean, exactly. He's been, on, he's been on plenty of trips. It's just he hasn't felt the need, the need to make one to Ohio to Notre Dame yet. Yeah, and I mean, I remember the first time I talked to him. Obviously, his film's fantastic, by the way. Like, let's just get that out of the way. He's a really good football player, first five-star recruit out of Massachusetts in the two-four-seven sports era. So he's an excellent football player. There's no doubt. 
first time I talked to him, that's though, legit ranking. I that mean, that's, that's ranking. not like oh, he's, he went to a camp. No, that dude is a five star player. He's a he's a he. I I would say, and some people take Caden Proctor. For me, he's my number one offensive lineman that I've seen so far in this class. Yeah, no, and it's very fair. I mean, Oklahoma is a very good football player. The first time I talked to him, though. He didn't seem to really under, know much about Harry Heastand, and he didn't really seem to know much about the Notre Dame program in general. And honestly, he just kind of has a little bit of a nonchalant attitude, right? So, like, I don't know how I don't know how much he wants to actually know about the Notre Dame program, to be very honest. And he hasn't taken the initiative to set up a, a, recruit, a trip. So, until he sets up that visit, I'm not going to feel good about it. Like, that's just the point blank period to it. I, it it's just a it, it's a non-issue right now. Like it's not, it's not tangible at all to even expect them to be in the race with him right now. So Ryan, let's uh, let's go through here and grab some questions. I know there's a lot of them. We gotta we gotta find some. We've got some starred. Let's let's jump up here. Uh, we got a, uh, a, a super chat from Tommy Guns. It says uh, to start uh, to start a petition to officially change the name because they say Kelly Green to Irish Green <laughs> or Freeman Green. Uh, Y'all know that that doesn't have anything to do with Brian Kelly, right? Like, I just want to make sure that Tommy knows Every that. Everything has something to do with Brian Kelly. You don't know what no, it, it was It was named Kelly Green before uh, Brian Kelly was hired uh, to be the head. Proof or it didn't happen, Brian. Proof or it didn't I, I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> um, that's not a problem. Uh, Jim Halloran, Brian and Ryan, how much did the culture of the O-line room make a difference? I mean, it's huge. It's, it's absolutely huge, Jim. Because – offensive lineman by I mean you saw if you were in the if you were in the chat earlier when Pendleton made his commitment most offensive linemen don't love the recruiting process right like they're not the guys that are flashy and in front of the camera a ton they're very non-assuming and they're very business oriented right so they understand how important the other four guys in their in their offensive line is to them right like it's a it's a machine they are a part of the machine that's why most offensive linemen don't get a lot of credit for how, how good they are. Like Trent Williams just had one of the best seasons I've ever seen from a left tackle in the NFL. And yeah, he makes all pro like he's getting those awards, but like you barely hear his name throughout the season just because it's a non-glamorous position. So I think that the big thing and why I took away from the visit was so great from a Freeling Abster perspective is the fact that they're buddies and they're hanging out because that's an offensive line thing and that's a culture thing. And that's a, family oriented type of position you need to be tight with the guys around you let's get to the next question from zach nichols thanks zach question all let's assume that notre dame finishes with charles jagusa monroe freeling sullivan absher and austin cerveld and that would include obviously want to add sam Pendleton to that how would the 2023 then compare with 2022 we talk about the harry heesan effect but how much better would this class be uh as far as um with regards to the IP prospect rankings, I, I'm going to say that I'm going to speak on this first, Ryan, and then give your opinion. Number one, this would be a significantly better class. And we liked, I liked last year's class. The thing I liked about last year's class is it was five good football players. The problem that I had is outside of Billy Shrouth, none of them were definite to me top hundred players. I didn't have Ty Chan in the top hundred. I did give Emil Wagner a five-star upside grade, but he's a guy that, you know, we, we've had questions about Ashton Craig's another projectable type of kid, you know, needs time, needs to develop. Joey Tanone is a top 150 kid. I liked him. Like it was, a, I mean, they're all five good football players. But this class would have, I mean, if we're going to rank all 10 of them, 
if they get that group right there, there's no question that the first two are from this class. As, and y- y'all know I love Billy Shrouth. He was a top 100 player for me. But he ranks behind he ranks behind Charles Jagusa and Monroe Freeling right now. And I'd have to compare his ranking to some of the other guys. I would have Billy Shrouth ahead of the other guys. But after him, I mean, looking at that group, you, you can make a case that Absher would be next before anybody else in the 2022 class. I mean, you can make a case that at least three of the top five players from those, that two group combined would be guys from this class if they finish with the group that you talked about. So I think that's the thing for me, Zach, is this class, if they got the four you mentioned plus Pendleton, would provide every bit as good a depth as last year's class. And last year's class was one of Notre Dame's better line classes in several years because of the quality of the depth. And like if you were to compare last year's class to the 2021 group, the reason I like last year's class sort of overall, because from a ranking standpoint, you know, you had the two highly ranked guys in 2021, but then the bottom two were like, there's a big drop off there. Now, obviously, Joe Walt has emerged and he's tapped in his potential, but he was a projectable guy when they got him. Whereas last year's class, you had to me, you know, five really good players. And the last two of last year, to me, graded out much higher than Pat Coogan and Caleb Johnson from the year before. And and so to me, depth of talent in the offensive line matters. And the reason I liked last year's class, Ryan, also, and I should preface this because how I graded that five would be different if Notre Dame signed a bunch of receivers and there was no top 100 guys. And when I mean top 100, I'm talking my grade. I don't care what other guys are ranked. I'm talking about my grade. It's because I don't think you need a star along the offensive line to have a great line. And I think Michigan's line last year is a great example of that. There's no guy that I look at I'm like, that guy's a future first-round pick. Maybe somebody turns into that, but I didn't see it. They were just a really good unit. And we've seen that from Iowa for a lot of years. You know, and they've had their Tristan Wirfs and, and the kid that they have at center this year. But so many years, Iowa doesn't necessarily really have a great individual lineman. And some of the guys that got drafted high were, you found out later, were products of the system. Robert Gallery. More, right. Yeah, more yeah, so than great yeah. players. I'm a believer that if you give me five just good football players, I'm going to have a really good offensive line if I have a good offensive line coach. Yeah, And so that's why I value last year's line. If I could choose, however, I'd rather have five with all five being really good, but two of them being elite. I'd rather Mm -hmm. have that or at least elite upside. And so to me, that's what I prefer. And so give me a 2022 offensive line with five good players as compared to past years where, you know, Blake Fisher and, you know, Joe Ald or Blake Fisher and Rocco Spindler, depending on how you want to look at it, are going to be better than anybody you have, but you know we're going to beat you because we're going to take advantage of your four and five because we're going to whoop you there. Whereas last year's group, if they all pan out, there is no four or five you can take advantage of, and that's what this group would would be the same as well. So that's fair. That's okay. fair. No, that's a lot of great context. I I think for me, Brian, because I didn't grade the twenty twenty two class. Obviously, like I watched Emil Wagner, I watched Billy Shroud because. You know, I was a Notre Dame fan, obviously, right? So I wanted to watch the guys that were signing with them. I will say this, just from my perspective, and I would love if, if you disagree with this, I would love to hear it, honestly, because I think it's a great conversation. I think if you get that 2023 group that's mentioned there, Jagusa, Freeling, Absher, and Siraveld, I think that that fits a lot better from a cross-the-board perspective, from a practicality perspective, from a playing perspective, than last year's group, because Emil Wagner is a little bit of a project. 
If he turns out, he could definitely be a, a, a really good le- um, offensive tackle. There's no doubt. But if he does not, then who's the offensive tackle in that group? Is it Ty Chan? Is well, it not? Well, let's and, just go with the assumption that everybody pans out. Sure. Okay. And Emil does fill out. The reality is he's the only guy that I can definitely say he's a tackle. Right. To right. your point. I don't even think we need to talk about if he doesn't pan, if he doesn't pan out, that class is in trouble. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem is Ty Chan, to me, was a tackle when they got him, but he outgrew it. And I think as he got bigger, his feet got a little slower, and he didn't look like a tackle to me in this type of offense, in my opinion. Other right. offenses, he could play tackle. Like Bama's offense, he could play tackle because that's more of a power football thing where it's a gap scheme and stuff like that. This requires a little bit more. It's not better or worse. It's just different, right? Notre Dame is more of a zone team, which requires a little bit more athleticism on the edge. And and so I don't see Ty Chan as a tackle. I don't see Joey. Joey Tonona could could play tackle, Mm -hmm. but he's better inside, in my opinion, than he is outside. And so to your point, Ryan, I would much rather be in a situation where I got to move somebody outside inside than moving someone inside outside, to your point. Yeah. And so as a f- group of five fitting – so, again, beyond the recruiting rankings aspect and the talent aspect, you got to fit those five guys together. So if you could only play one group of five, I agree with you that this year's group would would be better because there's more athleticism. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot more size in this group. I mean, of that group right there, Monroe Freeling would be the smallest guy at 6'7", 285. Yeah. You know, Jagusa's 290, 295. Saravelle's 315. Pendleton's between 290 to 305, depending on how he's listed. Absher's listed at 275. He's not 275. And he's at least 280, 285. Whereas you look at last year's group and, you know, Ashton Craig is 260, 270. You know, Billy Shrout is 280, 285. You know, uh, Emil Wagner's 260, 265. And, that, and that's even questionable, in my personal <laughs> opinion. Yep. So it, it brings and, and it's a lot. It's a longer group and, and a, a a little bit more athletic group, but it's certainly a more powerful group as well. So I do think it's a better class. That's not to disparage last year's class at all. I thought last year's offensive line class was one of the five best in the country. It was a really sure. good offensive line class. I mean, we don't know if it's going to pan out, but that you never know that, right? Like he stands first line class. You're like, man, this is a phenomenal class. It's Steve Elmer and Colin McGovern was highly ranked and John Montalus was a top hundred guy and Hunter Biven was the highest ranked guy of the group. And then Mike McGlinchey, you know, some of those guys didn't pan out. It happens. Hunter Biven didn't, Hunter Biven's doing great things for Notre Dame now, but he wasn't, he didn't pan out to be the top hundred lineman that he was ranked to be for whatever reason. John Montalus didn't pan out. Colin McGovern had some issues, you know, kind of adjusting to, to playing college football. So you, you, you never really know. Right. The 2017 group did pan out. Right. I mean, it, it, as a, by and large, I mean, Dylan Gibbons didn't really do a lot at Notre Dame, but he's turned into an ACC starter at yeah. Florida State. And the he's reason a- he left is because he, first of all, I still say you, you chose Caden Madden over that guy. That's crazy, man. Okay. Cause he ended up playing pretty well for Florida State yeah. last he's year. He's, he's, on, Madden. Yeah. He's, he's, he's on some draft radars for next year. Yeah. Dylan Gibbons isn't a bad little and he player. He wanted to be at Notre Dame. It's not like yeah. Dylan left because he was salty. I mean, he knew, like, you're not going to give me a shot. I mean, you know, that that was just the reality of it. I mean, his brother went to law school here. The family loves Notre Dame. They had a home in the area. They, he didn't leave because he didn't like Notre Dame or any other reasons. So that's a different story for a different day but you know you think about that 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 whole four 
group of four, Hainsey, Banks, Lug, and Dylan Gibbons all turned in to power five, multi-year power five starters because Dylan's back. He's going to be a starter for Florida State again and, this and year. And they all they all might get drafted too right. when they when they end up going out. Dylan, so, I'd probably yeah. probably have the he'd be the the bigger question mark if Lug is yeah. healthy this year, but still. I mean, we're we're talking about it, and the other two were second and a third round pick. So, it, it's we don't know how it's going to pan out. We're just going off of recruiting rankings, mm-hmm. and that's why it makes the 2021 discussion challenging. Because when I talk about the 2021 class, I got to talk about what they were as recruits, right? Because we can't compare high school recruits that have never played college football to Joe Walt, who's panned out and been a little better than we expect, early, a little better earlier than we expected. I mean, I gave him a four and a half star upside grade, which may have actually undersold it if he's continues to develop. But for now, I'm comfortable with that upside grade. It just, I thought it'd take longer, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, it, so that's that's the difficulty. People say, well, you know, how can you compare this class to that class when this class had so-and-so and so-and-so? I'm like, well, nobody no, nobody thought Jeff Samarja was going to be a great recruit when he signed with Notre Dame. Like, nobody thought Tyler Eifert was going to be a stud. Well, I, I did, but I didn't think it was going to be a first-round pick, but I thought it was going to be pretty good. Not to pat uh, myself on the back or anything. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I did. I uh, Charlie Weiss had – and I uh, had some very negative feelings towards me because I hammered him pretty good for for uh, for that back back then. But anyway, so I, I, I like those offensive line classes. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good group, Ryan. It's a really good group. Yeah. All right. Let me see if we – let's get to some more questions here. Go Irish says, how much does the future quarterback recruit look at the future offensive line? Smart ones do. <laughs> That's all I have to say. I mean, we, we talk about the wide receivers are throwing to the tight ends they're throwing to, obviously. But if you're a good quarterback, you are going to be you are going to be concerned with what's in front of you. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think if you're worried about, you know, Notre Dame landing a big time recruit in this class, I, I don't think loading up on good offensive line is going to hurt that cause at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's get to some more. Zach Martin, just for funsies. Uh, whom from the 2022 and 23 classes do you project, assuming Pendleton, Jagusa, Absher, Freeling signed in 2023, will be the most impactful interior lineman? So that would be last year's class. So we think interior, we think Ty Chan, Ashton Craig, Joey Tanona, Billy Shrouth. This year's class of that group, it would be Pendleton. Let's just say Pendleton, and you and you can eat, choose one of Jack Jagusa or Absher to move inside. I, I would pick Jagusa. I've talked yeah. about this pretty extensively. Like I, I've come to meet you halfway to the fact that I think he could play offensive tackle and he could be a good player at right tackle potentially. But I think he's a star inside potentially. Yeah. Like I think that his upside is just through the roof. So I, I think Billy Shrouth can also be a really good player inside, whether it's guard or center, even potentially. But I, I, I'm in. I'm in on Jagusa being an, a dominant guard inside. I've never took your thoughts on Jagusa to be as much about him not being able to play tackle, right? As much as this, as you think. It's like comments I've made about Blake Fisher. It's, it's. I've never thought, gee, you got to move Blake Fisher inside the guard because he can't play tackle. Blake Fisher can be a first round draft pick at tackle. Mm-hmm. I just think Blake Fisher could be. A, it's funny we keep talking about these generational interior linemen for Notre Dame, but he could. <laughs> I mean that's the kind of talent that he has, but I don't. I, I, I don't. I didn't see anything from any other tackles in the blue gold game that would make me think any of them are anywhere close to forcing the conversation of moving Blake Fisher to tackle. Like that's the thing is no. that guy would have to be like a stud. 
No. And I just don't see it. I I, I, see I, I, did, I did like, because I know we haven't talked too much, me and you together about the blue goal game. I, I did think that Tosh Baker had some good moments, but uh, to your point, it's but not good enough to unseat him. Yeah. yeah. Still too exactly. inconsistent for a kid that's in his third year. Exactly. You know, that, that, that's, that's the issue that I have with him is there, he just, he's not playing with enough power. He just, you know, again, a lot could change, but I just, I haven't seen anything that's going to make me say, Hey boy, you gotta, you get gotta get this field. kid. Yeah, yeah. You gotta get this kid on there. It, you know, and we'll talk more about it this week, but you know, like I thought Rocco played better than, than Tosh did. And so Fair. the whole conversation would be getting your best five. The only reason you would move Blake is if, Tosh is clearly one of your best five, and I, you can't make that case right now, in my opinion. You know, the, with what based on what we've seen. Now, I've heard some really good things about how Tosh ended the spring, but I didn't see that. I can go only go off of what I've seen. That's fair. And and so he looked better than he did, but he still will get high, and guys will get up under his chest and drive him into the quarterback, which we saw on Saturday. And, and you know, those. So he, he's a ways away, in my opinion. But uh, it's 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 more about that for me. If we're going to go with the premise that Jagusa is going to be an interior guy, I'll accept your premise just for the conversation. Then he would be my number one, and I'd still have I'd still have Shrouth my number two. It's fair. I, I'm very high on Billy Shrouth, and again, we can only go off of what they did in high school because we haven't seen any of them Notre Dame uniform yet. Now, hopefully, he's healthy. That's going to be a big key for for Billy Shrouth panning out is him being healthy. But just based on the prospect he was, he was excellent. Do you? So. Did you do you like I, do you prefer sorry going off a little bit of tangent but Shrouth do, do you like him most at guard or do you think he's a center maybe long term because I don't I, care no nah, you don't care, care. yeah no, I mean I'm I'm a, I'm a believer Ryan get your f- best five out there and and if Agreed. the fastest way to get him on the field is to move him to center then move him to center if the fastest way to get him if you recruit a kid to to play center and the fastest way and he's one of your best five but the best way to get him on the field is to move him to guard then move him to guard fair yeah. right like I, I'm I really don't. I really don't get into that as long as the guy can play the both positions at the same level. Fair. Like if getting him to center gets him on the field, but he's not a good center, then you don't have your best five on there. Cause it's, can you be the best five at the positions that you're being asked to play? Right? Like if your five best, and this is a, a crazy example just to prove a point, but if your five best players are centers and none of them can play tackle, then they're not your best five. Right. As far as putting a line together, they may be your five most talented guys, but they're pigeonholed into a specific position. You can't move them out there and they're going to play at the same level, right? Like I wouldn't put Blake Fisher to center. Uh, That's not a position. I I don't know if he would fit as well there as he does at guard. Right. So I, I mean like that wouldn't make a lot of sense to me with Billy. I think he could play a center or a guard. And I thought he looked good in the blue, in the, in the army game at center. His, his snap to step and snap to punch was really quick and natural. So I like that, but I also know they like Ashton Craig at center, and, and Joey Tonona could maybe get a look at center if he can be healthy. So, but I, I really don't care. I, whatever gets him up the two deep, the fastest when he gets back from being healthy is all I really care about. So, I'd like to see them kind of think ahead. And Harry was good at this when he was at Notre Dame last time, but think ahead to where you see him. You know, even if he's not in your two deep now, but where as you look forward, do you think he's going to have the best chance to compete? And put him there now. If that's center, then put him at center. If it's guard, put him at guard. This is a good one. John Platt, I, th- I think I want to answer this. Uh, John Platt says, can anyone give me a brief explanation of how team how recruiting rankings are figured? Uh, John, they vary from service to service, but generally speaking, 
there's a point system that recruits are given based on basically where they're ranked. Rivals, it's a combination of are you a 6.1, 6.0, 5.9, 5.8, and so forth. And each of those are allotted a point. And then based on where you're ranked, you're also allotted another point. If you're not ranked in the top 250, you don't get the second point total. You just get whatever you are for being a 5.8 or a 5.7 or a 5.6, whatever the case may be. And then, you know, those, so like if you look at um, Sam Pendleton, he's going to get a certain points. I think it's like 75, I forget what it is, but a certain points for being a 5.8 four star. And then he's going to get another set of points. I think it's like five points for being ranked number 238. And that's his number. And then it's, you combine them all together. And I also believe rivals only takes the 20 highest ranked guys is how they figure it in, which I don't, I don't love that. I don't see why five guys couldn't, shouldn't count. And if you're going to do that, then make your rankings based off the maximum of what's supposedly allowed by the NCAA, make it 25. Who's your 25 best recruits? Because, well, one class is bigger than another. Well, that should matter when you're talking about – I mean, if if I got 25 and you got 16, your 16 may be good, but you can't field a football team with 16 dudes, right, unless you're going to be having dudes playing both ways. I can put – a, you know, in theory, put a, a team on the field. So I think that stuff should matter. It's a different point systems are determined by others differently, but it's all based on a point system. The only one that doesn't go off of a a, a, a point system, as far as I can tell, is ESPN and SI99. I know how SI99s works, and I like it. I don't know how ESPN does theirs because they don't really have really a method to their madness, as far as I can tell. SI99 is more subjective. You know, we look at okay, did you know the talent that you landed? We look at, did you meet your needs? Are you heavy at certain positions and not others? Is there depth to the class? Like all those things, you know, how does the players fit the the, the team that they're going to? Like if you sign a, you know, if you sign Jimmy Clausen, but you're running the triple option, then sorry, I don't really care that you sign Jimmy Clausen, right? Because he's not going to be very good in your offense. So I think that's part of the fit as well. It's more subjective. I like that personally better. I think there's inherent flaws with a points-based system, but it is good from a, from a perception standpoint, which is why we talk about it. It matters from a perception standpoint. I don't think it matters a, a ton from, you know, rankings don't determine, don't project, they don't determine your future. Uh, they're just tools to try to gauge a player's ability. Anything you'd like to add to that, Ryan? I just love that you had to mention triple option, man. Always comes back to the triple well, I'm just, option. I'm trying to make a point. It's the most dramatic a point I could think of. Jimmy yeah. Clausen running the triple. Now that's a visual that's going to hit home for you now, isn't it, Ryan? And he's going to pitch it every single time or he's going to give it. Yeah, he's <laughs> going to audible is what he's going to do. He's going to audible. Well, let's audible to shotgun real quick. Empty. Have empty, empty. That's why we're making it up now. You didn't recruit me to run the option. That's awesome. Um, that's what Ron Paula should have done with Lou Holtz. Uh, Colin McCann says, you think if Pendleton commits, this is obviously was put up before the announcement, but we're going to still answer the question. So we'll we'll update Colin's question a little bit. Since now that Pendleton commits, do you think any other offensive linemen will follow? I I mean, I don't think that they're following just because Pendleton committed. Like, I don't think he's opening the floodgates, but I will say, Colin, I I do expect some offensive linemen to come off the board here pretty soon. Yeah, I do. I, I think if it was because of him, it wouldn't be because of him directly. Like, okay, Pendleton's there. I got to go there now. Right. But I do think we get a situation where they said, hey, guys, here's our numbers, and one of those spots is now gone. So you can take your recruitment as long as you want, but just understand this is what we're doing. Right. And you can say that, but, you know, Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily what you may do with some guys, but you still say it to a degree. 
But yeah, I, I think that could happen. But I think that'll normally happen in a class where you've told guys you're going to take at least four. That pressure doesn't really start to get two in the class. Then you start saying like, oh, okay, they got two dudes now. I should probably maybe, I want to be there. What's more important to you? Picking the school you want or going through the recruiting process, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So that's the decision you have to make. And when you don't have anybody on the board, then that doesn't work at all. Let's see here. We got Brian and Ryan to you guys. What's the difference between evaluating film and evaluating in person? This is a good one. Body typing for me. And this comes from the NFL draft kind of circuit stuff. Like we mentioned it a little bit on um, Brian mentioned a little bit that like, you can't really tell the body type a little bit of Pendleton to the highest degree. That's why NFL scouts always go on game visits. They want to see the body type in person. They want to kind of project how much a player can hold, what's a good weight for a player to eventually develop into. So for me, it's body typing is the biggest thing for an in-person rather than just kind of evaluating film. And the other thing is like, I also just like, and it's more important for some positions than others, not as much offensive line driven, but it is, I'd like to see how guys react, interact with their, with their teammates, right? Like I want to see what the leadership qualities are. I want to see if they're have good, you know, good, a good kind of, uh, upbeat type of um, to them on, on the sidelines and just have all those personalities. But like the number one for me is, is body typing. You can tell so much more about how a player looks in person and how he can potentially develop from a physical perspective. I think you, you, what's the first thing that we said when we broke down our film tonight, he's listed to see at six, four, three or five, but he doesn't look that to me. If right. I'm there at the stadium and if I'm down on the field and he walk past me, I can say, okay, I can size him up. All right, I, I I can I can I can see him now. I think there, I think there are other things that you can't tell on film. For example, like let's take a running back. You're just watching the even game film. It's going to stop and start at some point in time. To Ryan's point, but if you see this kid and he's getting in his lineman's face and he's complaining to them and he's whining about this and he's showing up as quarterback every time the ball's not like ah, is this guy going to be a great teammate? You know, um, I think I think the other thing, the big thing for me is there's a difference between what we do and what NFL teams and colleges do, because at the end of the day, I'm not investing a scholarship into a guy that I evaluate. I'm not investing, what is it? I mean, now it's well over a quarter million dollars into that, just scholarship alone. I'm not investing a first round contract into that guy. So I don't need to drive to his town and interview his principal and his teachers (laughs) and all this other kind of stuff to find out what kind of young man he is. But that matters. Yeah, background checks. That matters if I'm Notre Dame and I have to offer this kid a scholarship, right? And if we had the resources, I wouldn't mind doing that stuff. And we try to do that from talking to people who have done it, right? That's part of that intangibles grade. But it doesn't carry as much weight because it doesn't require a decision to be made. We can just say his talent is this. And and make our decisions off of that. So I think I think that's the big thing, and and I think obviously the size thing also Ryan fits into. You can also evaluate what he's going against a little bit better too. I think we have got into this weird thing now, and I don't. And I think it, I think it comes from from the scouting departments, scouting services, recruiting services. I think it comes from another way to pimp their camps. This whole well, you gotta see a guy in person. How did these coaches recruit for decades without being able to go out and see all these kids in person at a camp, right? right? Like at the end of the day, being obsessed with, with that is how you can talk yourself out of Kyle Hamilton being a top 10 player, <laughs> right? And, and and talk other guys into being top 10 players that shouldn't be top 10 players. At the end for of the sure. day, the film is still the film. Mm-hmm. 
and and I think that that sometimes we we get in we, we're in this weird thing, and I don't know if it's like a tribalism or it's like a it's a way for recruiting services to kind of put themselves above the peasants that watch YouTube games or whatever else. Like, well, you didn't see him in person, so you don't have an opinion. Shut up. You know what I mean? Like, you can see the guy in person. You can't if you can't evaluate. I don't care how many camps you go to, right? Rivals director or whatever the case may be. Uh, it's not the rivals director anymore, I guess now. But that's kind of my thing is if you if you the film is the film, right? Yeah. But there are when you're talking about the scholarship or investing a, a a a I mean, when I was coaching, I would go to as many games as I could in the fall, right? I mm-hmm. mean, just because like I said, there are things you want to see. How does a kid handle adversity in the middle of a game? I want to see a quarterback throw a pick and, and on film after the pick's over, the plays I, I see nothing else. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm not watching anything else between now and the next play. Except I'm watching him interact with his coaches. I'm watching him. You know, if he's throwing his helmet down and getting in a receiver's face and acting like a big baby, that's gonna tell me a little something about him. Now, if he goes and gets in a receiver's face and he's telling him what he should have done differently, that's different. Yep. Right. That's like, hey, you know, this guy. You know, but if you're showing a guy up or you're acting like you're pouting and, and you're not wanting to hear from the, you storm away from the coach. You'll see that, right? I mean, you'll go see this kid. Like this kid's got a great arm and you go watch a plane. Like this kid's a freaking jerk. I, I don't mm-hmm. want this kid. Right. Like you can tell his teammates don't react to him. They, well, they didn't go to, they didn't go to his birthday party. Like, yeah, all that <laughs> stuff. I watched draft day today, by the way. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I <laughs> Go Callahan! I got to watch that this week. I always watch it the week of the draft. Uh, oh, you have to, man. Have to. That's that's really um, that's just I, eating my pancakes, thinking about number one. <laughs> I'm like, what is this guy chewing on this pancakes for? Like, why is this part of the scene? Oh, yeah. great, great! And what's the thing about him ripping his eyebrows out at the end? Like when he got mad? Like that was such a that guy's character was kind of weird. Um, oh, my my fa- my favorite my favorite part of that movie. I'm sorry to we're going off on a tangent here, but do you remember when uh, when he when he walks past the tra- the um it it's where they're like lifting weights and stuff in like the weight room and the yeah. one guy, the 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 uh, I guess he was the you know strength strength coach is is like hey man have you seen have you seen have you seen Brian Drew lately have you seen him he's like oh man he's like oh you know what's even better his arm throwing the ball a good fifteen yards further. yeah. Yeah, that happens to a guy that's been in the NFL for six years. Sure. Okay. Uh, did you check him for steroids? <laughs> like, <sighs> I yeah, love that. That movie is so corny, I, but I, I love, love it. <laughs> I love the movie, but there's so much. You're like, oh, that's cringe. It's so cringe, but I still enjoy the movie. I, I especially the last scene. I, I, I think they. The I think they. Na- I think they named the strength coach Tony Bagel too, which is awesome. Yeah. That is, that's, like, yeah. You know, don't listen to coach. Like, what do you mean? Don't listen to coach. Coach is the coach is the one that's got his back. Like, what are you talking about? Don't listen to coach. You know, compete with them. Like, what are you talking? It's so lame. But I love it. I still love it. I still love the movie. I do. I'm not gonna lie to you. I lo- I do. And and I'll be honest with you. I've I've met some NFL scouts, and some of them are great. But mm-hmm. some of them are like those dudes that are like you know like you know they're just they're idiots. It's like any profession. You're gonna get dumb morons and people that are bad at their jobs and in any in any profession there's no a doubt about it let's get to some more here before we get out of here we actually answered that one. Oh, here we go uh brian and ryan will we see a fullback this fall yes uh won't be on scholarship charlie david, weiss, david last, sherwood is that david yeah. sherwood yeah, yeah. got a couple of them uh, charlie yeah. weiss's last belt loop off topic and pemba status uh charlie we talked about that earlier uh, notre dame is still very much a, a player for him 
were, were both a little hesitant to jump completely on board to Notre Dame, but uh, he still has a lot of business planned. It sounds like this is going to go on for a while, but they're still in the game, no doubt about it. Nothing personal. What is up with LSU stealing the gold throne idea? Imitation is the greatest uh, greatest form of flattery, man. That's all it, I got to say about and, it. And I do think LSU jacked it a little bit, but Notre Dame didn't invent the gold throne. Colleges have used that before. Notre Dame invented, as far as I know, doing it on gold bricks. Yes. That's new. But putting guy, I mean, Oklahoma does that. There are other, Oregon, I think, does that. There are other schools that have like a throne for kids. Mm-hmm. LSU's is kind of lame because it's like just this throne in the middle of the room with like nothing around it, which is very like lame, very t- lame, very typical Brian Kelly ish. You're seeing him being reactionary there. I'm just being honest. Like he suddenly starts kind of after all the stuff about Marcus Freeman comes out about alums. All of a sudden you hear Brian Kelly, like bringing in all these, you know, it's like he's paying very close attention to what's happening in the Notre Dame. There's no yeah. question about it. Very close attention to what's happening, in Notre, which is why he's being quoted as, with comments about Notre Dame. So there's there's a lot to that. Let's get to this last question from Keith, and we're going to wrap this up. It says, are you guys watching the NFL draft? Every single second, Keith. <laughs> Every yep. single second. I mean, I, I don't work as hard as I do for on that on that side of the coin to not enjoy the, the fruits of my labor. So, yes, I'll be watching every single second Thursday through Saturday. Absolutely. So just a little heads up, everybody. We are going to have an an NFL draft podcast on Thursday. Mm -hmm. So our normal afternoon slot will be a draft podcast. We're going to, Ryan's going to give the latest intel. And you dropped a little something on the board today, Ryan, which had some very interesting nuggets on there. I thought the one about Kevin Austin was especially. Yep. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Uh, So we're going to kind of go over the latest intel that we're hearing. And we're going to do like a little fun mock draft, sort of like a dueling mock draft. Uh, we're not going to do it like McShay and Kuyper. We're going to both kind of give a pick for what we would do if the mock draft, if we were picking for those teams. And then Ryan will also share kind of what he's hearing, if anything, from those picks. So that'll be a lot of fun. So our Thursday show will be geared towards the NFL draft. And then, of course, like Friday and Saturday, we'll have some wrap-up stuff uh, in regards to breaking down just different guys and you know who went where and stuff like that. So definitely stay locked in, which is why, Ryan – Mm-hmm. People need to make sure that they are hitting the notification bell because when we're going to do a show, like you know, six thirty at night, because a kid's going to commit, you get notified that the show is going to happen, and so that's why you need to hit the like button, hit subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards, buy merch from the merch store, built bars, all of it. Just engage in all of it. We got so much stuff going on. Irish breakdown. Ryan's going to have more updates. I'm getting ready to publish my, I've been able to publish my class impact because we've been doing the show. Uh, so I've been able to publish my class impact on Sam, on uh, Sam Pendleton. I'll have that up here very soon as well and uh, stay locked into what we're doing. But Ryan, thanks for joining us. Thanks to everybody for joining the show tonight. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we actually had a super chat pop up here real quickly. I want to get to with your chest super chat. What is the possibility of a guy like Jagusa get spurred to action by seeing available spots fill up? I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if so, if he's all set on Notre Dame and and he starts to, you know, he's trying to like let the process play out, and you see you see spots filled up. I mean, there's going to be a point in your mind where you're kind of like, huh, there's probably limited space there. So I think that I think it does have some some validity to it for sure. Yeah, I could see it. I, I think it all depends on whether or not you made the point whether or not a guy is locked in to there and just wants to experience the process. 
but I still think it would take more than one or two for that to happen. Got another super chat popped up. We'll always extend the shows if you guys want to throw more super chats at us. I'm just saying. Uh, Says Brian, are you nervous that the player you thought would commit this past weekend didn't commit? No, I'm not. And and I'm not. I obviously can't get too much into it, but I'm not. I think it's just a timing thing. It's not. It's not a. It's nothing that I'm worried about yet. So no, I'm not. I'm not. We did think a kid was going to commit this weekend. Uh, I could pretend that. Oh no, no. We always knew it was be Brandon Davis Wayne. That's not who we thought it was going to be. We thought it was going to be a 2023 player. From everything we've heard, he's in great shape. Everything's good to go. It's just a timing thing. So we'll yeah. hopefully we'll find out more what's going on. It's not cold feet. It's a timing issue. Right. I just want to put that out there. Right. Yep. As of right now. if But sure. as we always say, if things change, we'll let you know. I promise. If things change, we'll let you know. But thank you for that super chat. And I forgot again, how do you pronounce that? Your screen name i i always forget this i always think i i was i remember we had this discussion before and you told us what it was but i can't remember i can't remember what it was so um yeah and then as far as the the thing about the commit it's not on the board we didn't talk about because we haven't said who it is and so if we talk too much about why it didn't happen then it makes it kind of obvious who it is so we're uh we're not gonna do that but as of right now like you said we uh we're not concerned about it right now. May say, Kate, let manager. Okay. I'm going to remember that one once. So now it's just the abbreviation for that. So thank you so much for that. May say, K, follow his advice, everybody. Join the message board. Smash that like button. Subscribe to the show. Hit the notification bell. Share the podcast. Leave a five-star review if you're listening via a pot, one of the podcast apps. And, of course, as always, go Irish. Thanks, everybody, for being a part of the second edition of today's Irish Breakdown Podcast. We'll see you again tomorrow.